All right, everybody, welcome back to the Oversights podcast where we take a look at movies from, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago and have a quick conversation to make sure we don't uh, lose track of them. I'm Travis Knox with me, Luca Roar. Luca. Hey, 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 how's it going? Going well, bud. You good? I'm excellent. Awesome. Let's say hi to our new friend, Ashley Reiner. Ashley, how you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Um, so this week, we're taking a look. At Steven Soderbergh's uh, debut, his directorial debut feature, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And there's several reasons we want to talk about this. But for starters, just talk about the film before we get into it. Had you seen this, Luca? I had not seen it. So you had not seen it. Ashley, you had seen this before. I have had seen it. All right, so let's start with you. What did you so? You agreed to come on the show having already seen it, so I think you must like it to a certain extent. Is that fair to say? Yes, I think it's a very interesting character dynamic on how it's set up from almost every aspect. It's just very different than a lot of other films and was very unique for the time as well. Oh, yeah, I was part of the time. It definitely, there were things in here, we'll get there. And yes, it's <laughs> totally character driven. It, yeah, that's, it makes it stand out. What about you? So I want to hear from the guy who's never seen it before. <laughs> like every other movie we do on the show. No, uh, <laughs> that's not always true. Uh, look, I mean, I knew slash no Soderbergh. Um, I think he, I mean, I love the movie he's done. I love the Ocean's movies. And that's actually, I think the first Soderbergh movie I've ever seen was uh, Ocean's Eleven. Um, and so when you said, yeah, let's do a Soderbergh film and we're doing this one, I was like, great. Like, I, you know, I didn't even know his directorial debut until you mentioned it. Um, so going into it, you know, I was like, okay, I mean, I know Soderbergh's his, kind of his style, uh, but I was still kind of thrown for a loop. Like, it's not like any of his other stuff he's done later. I mean, obviously Oceans or even Logan Lucky. Uh, this is totally different. It's It feels, you know, the way I was kind of thinking about it after I was finished watching, was like, I'm not, you know, about halfway through the movie, I was like, I don't know where this is going. I don't really know what the, what, what's really happening. Or I mean, I know what's happening, but I don't really know like, what the point is. But I was really invested. Um, and I think part of that is, or maybe most of that is due to both the, the performances uh, which I think are, are across the board excellent, uh, especially from James Bader. But also even just the way it's you know edited, uh, there's some really unique tricks and and stuff that he does that make it feel unique and and maybe more interesting than what might actually be happening on screen. Because at, at its base, you know, it's just you know a story about what four people and basically relationship dynamics, right? Uh, but he manages to to add a, a level of like technicality and and. I guess sophistication almost in the way it's made that that elevates it. Uh, so yeah, I was actually a huge fan. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of the, the the rundown on that. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're a previous knowledge of Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, this would be a bit of a shock. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, you see how he you get his career, you see how he gets there, but they're definitely and they're in a different world. But I mean, I think the thing that makes Soderbergh so interesting, um, and for me, he's hit or miss. But when he hits, he hits him out of the park. But you know, he tries new things still to this day. Like he did a movie, I think it was Unsane's the one he did that he shot on an iPhone. Right. You know, what, a few years ago. So it's, it, he just likes to try. But going back to this one, I mean, I think, again, it's his debut feature. Uh, he just wanted this, hoping to be a calling card for something bigger. Um, the story I remember is that it did not get picked up for Sundance, but somebody made a phone call to Sundance on his behalf and said, you got to take a second look at this movie. And it would go on to win the audience award at Sundance. And then it won the big one at Cannes, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which is a huge, huge honor. And then, of course, it gets released 
and makes like 60 million worldwide, which for an independent movie at the time is just absolutely nuts. Um, more important, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about here is that obviously, look, it, it built his career, it made his career, but it also completely redid. It made people reevaluate the world of film festivals. Like before then, I don't even think Sundance was still Sundance. I don't think it had changed the branding yet. It used to be called like the U.S. Film Festival or something. This was the first movie that the Weinstein, when they had Miramax, that they bought that was a narrative film, English speaking, that just swept the award season. Because it didn't win a ton, but it got nominated for everything. And I think it just proved that you could go to these festivals, buy movies, and make big money. Like it suddenly people took notice because it wasn't a little indie movie that made $400,000. It was a little indie movie that blew up worldwide and won all of these awards. And it put Miramax on the map, put Sundance on the map, gave Soderbergh, launched his career. Um, and, you know, it held its own against big studio movies like Driving Miss Daisy was that year, Dead Poet Society and Platoon. And it was, yeah, it was just, it, it redefined what it meant to be an independent movie. And I hadn't seen it in many years until I just rewatched last night. Totally, you mentioned the dynamic, Ashley, about the the, the, the sisters. Like I had completely forgotten that those two were sisters. Like I remembered the infidelity angle, but my head popped when she said, "I want to have sex in my sister's house." I was like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot that that was part of it." Anyway, um, all right. Before we go too far towards the end of this, you both met, let's talk about acting. You both mentioned acting. Very, very strong. I think every character in this actually stands out. Because it's funny, you mentioned Spader, Luca, who comes across as so creepy, but yet it just works so perfectly for this. He yeah. keeps you off balance. No, he's like, I mean, he's magnetic. Or That's the word I used to describe when I'm watching him. Like, obviously, yeah, like, and it's just, he's the way he asks questions, the way he probes. But he's also like, oh, no, sorry, I don't mean to pro-. It's funny because he reminds me of people that I know, that I've known, right, who are kind of like that, who are just very... It's kind of low key, and they're asking, but they're very like intense in the question, the type of questions they ask, and they're trying to learn a lot about you. Um, but they don't seem, you know, to be harmful anyway. It's, I don't know. So he he really captures the balance of like he seems like an interesting guy, but also yeah, a little, little off putting. Uh, and he's I don't know. He just performed. He's just yeah, he's just so good in it. As a directing as a directing person. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm also a directing student, but I want to call an audible and not say student, but I don't know why. So this is a directing student, Ashley. Like, what do you think of the roles in this? Like, what, first of which one stands out the most of the four characters to you? Oh, that's a, I think when I first watched it, it was the sisters, because that's what I could relate to the most is the sister dynamic. I grew up with a sister. We have not the same dynamic, but a very similar dynamic. But watching it last night, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, the husband? No, Graham. Peter Gallagher? Oh, it's James no, Spader, Peter James Gallagher. James Spader. Um, I don't even know their characters' names. So. Yeah. Um, his character stood out to me because it was just so interesting to watch coming out of college and, like, the dynamic that he has. He's very, yeah, trustworthy, but, like, almost creepy, but not enough, where he's still very trusting. And I think um, Cynthia, the younger sister, mentioned that, too. He's like, oh, yeah, you're very trusting. He's like, I trust you more than... Um, Oh my gosh. Peter Gallagher. Yes, his character, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, his character stood out. And I go back and forth on whose story I think it is because it's just, it's a story of all four, but like who's the main character? Mm -hmm. If I had to to pick, I'd say Andy McDowell. I think because she has the biggest. Anne's probably the one I would say I agree. Yeah, who's 
I mean, she has the biggest arc of the film, right? right? Although I think, so not to, 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 to step on your toes there, but um, because we're talking about the sister dynamic, and I want to mention this before I forget, like, I had a similar, I mean, I grew up with two sisters, stepsisters, um, who didn't, well, they did not have that dynamic, I, I would say, but what really I thought was interesting in this film is that their, you know, their dynamic feels very real of these people who, and again, it's what it's written, whether it's performed, uh, they like each other, but they don't like each other and they swipe at each other, but they still care about it. So, and it's just, it's just, it feels authentic to a level that's like, wow, I, I could buy these as actual sisters, you know, even beyond, they don't really look alike. I mean, that's not, you know, usually a problem for a film, but, um, that was very appealing. And I like that Cynthia, um, gets somewhat of an arc by the end of it, you know, despite it not being her movie, uh, she does get, you know, something. And in fact, they all get a level of, of, of closure, some more positive than others by the end of the film. But, um, yeah, even though I, I know, cause I, I, I want to make it clear. I love Spader in the film and I think he's the standout. That relationship dynamic is very, very appealing in this movie. I think Andy McDowell's a standout, not my favorite character, but I think she's the standout as far as acting, but you could be right on Spader, but I feel like I've seen him do that since then. That's so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. So it's hard Maybe I'm not as shocked by it. Um, it's interesting. You both seem to like him more because I do think he's definitely very creepy and I'm trying to figure out how he's able to pull them in to mm-hmm. that world. You know, it's like he's asking very probing questions you know, and making them uncomfortable. Whereas like, I think that's the reason why. So my favorite character is the younger sister just because she's, I just, I couldn't figure her out. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I mean, Anne McDowell wears everything on her sleeve. You know exactly who she is. You know exactly what her hangups are. Same with Peter Gallagher. I mean, we spill that out. Can't figure out Spader that much. But the sister's like, oh, I'm going to meet this person. Like with no, like she, it's a foregone conclusion. She's going to find him. She's going to show up at the house. She's going to get in front of the camera. And yet, I just, I could not take my eyes off her the entire time watching her. I just found her fascinating. I don't know. She actually won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting, so she was one of the she did win an award out of this. Critically, she was the standout, I guess, for <laughs> out of all of them. Um, but I think all four roles were amazing. And the yeah. only fifth person I'm going to bring up, and you wouldn't know who he is, but I recognized him and realized, oh yeah, I've met him before. It's, um, the the barfly that worked there is Steve Brill, and he's a uh, he wrote. He wrote a bunch of movies in the past. Now he writes and directs Adam Sandler movies. So oh. he does a ton of Adam Sandler movies. It's kind of funny to see him there show up as like this weird bar fly. Not the guy who was just drunk at the bar? Uh-huh. The, yeah, okay, yeah. Then we <laughs> sit there and kept saying, hey, we have the same color shirt. Yeah. Is this a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, that's just pretty funny. I like, I like that guy. He's the true fifth main character. Uh-huh. He didn't get any closure, though. I didn't get into his arc. No. Thankfully, no. We didn't need more of Steve, bro. <laughs> the colors didn't save him. Right, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Favorite scenes, standouts, anything in that you can think of? Anything come to mind, Ashley? I think personally for me, it's the phone call right before Cynthia goes to the house. Because I did an analysis on that scene for my thesis at this school. Tell us. Um, it was just the sister dynamic. So my thesis was about two sisters and their dynamic before both of them enter new parts of their lives. And the dynamic between the phone call and the fluidity of the conversation was just so natural and you could as a sister, you can totally tell what each sister wants and how they're manipulating each other. But 
it was just written so well and it just comes across so natural and you could totally tell they're sisters even if it's a phone call and they're not in the same room like their actions and just everything about the scene and the editing just played out really well and I think that one was my favorite you get it Luca what do you got mine probably has to be um and this is gonna be like a, it's it's a scene within a scene it's Peter Gallagher's character goes you know he finds out that Anne has made a tape with Graham and then he goes there and for some reason, he does not have his door locked at night, which freaks me out. Uh, different time, I guess, or maybe just James Spader's character's vibe. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not on the lock." He's like, oh, "Someone might bring my house in the middle of the night. Like, why aren't you locking your door, dude?" I wrote that in my notes. Like, why is your door unlocked at night, man? Um, but like, he yeah, he busts in and he like punches him in the face and then locks him out and starts watching that tape. And you start off seeing it, you know, from Peter Gallagher's point of view. Oh, it's great. And then it cuts into what actually happened, and it's the, it's the, that scene shot in in the living room. And that that part of of just the tables being flipped, and it's Anne who grabs the camera and starts asking Graham all these questions, and he's like like a cornered rat, like trying to like you know you finally get to understand a bit more about why he's here and why he is the way he is. And she's like Graham, she's like You're, that, that's pathetic. Like I don't know, she's just like she gets she takes so much power in that moment of asking all these questions. Um, and then once that's done, actually it's you know they're they're about to kiss, and he gets off the couch and turns off the camera. And it cuts back to Peter Gallagher looking at the screen. It's just like it's a great moment of like showing a like just great writing performance and even editing of being able to put that scene within another. I don't know. It just it's that that sequence for me was probably my my, my highlight. Yeah, I mean the story structure of that is because when she's first sit when Anne McDowell first sits down and then just cut away, you're like, oh, that's weird. And then I think if you haven't seen the movie, you kind of figure out what's going to happen. But then you getting to watch it through Peter Gallagher's eyes, it makes it land. Yeah, so much more. And it's cool. And then just after that, and it's almost like the same reaction as the audience where he just gets up and it's like a lot to take in because a lot just happened emotionally in that moment. And then he just gets up and throws the keys back at Graham and walks away. Yeah. And he like, still oh. leaves him on the porch. That line he delivered to him before he left hurt though. Oh, I told you. Yeah. Oh, oh, that yeah. one hurt. Like his girlfriend or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole thing about trying to get trust and truth. And he's like, yeah, she lied to you. Yeah. And then walks away. She was good. At, she was like, like, I can say this about her. She was good at keeping a secret. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, totally. For, no, you're that, and that's the killer line because this whole thing is like liars, you know, second worst type of person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And this person he's been trying to work towards getting some closure for has lied to him as well. And it's just, yeah, world breaking. Peter Gallagher's like the actor's great. The character sucks. What an what, a, what an awful, awful person. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, it's terrible. Okay, so I'm curious your generation. The sexuality of this movie, is it shocking? Is it titillating? Is it, or is it just, no, it's just more deep and everything else, like character-wise? And it was interesting because it's definitely more talk about sex than sex itself. Right. Which I feel like in this day and age, there's a lot more of the opposite. So that was interesting. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, for not knowing anything about the film going into it and the title of the film being Sex, Life, and Videotape, I was like, oh, this is going to be, is this going to be graphic? Like, I mean, I was wondering what the extent of the sexuality would be in the film. And so I was surprised. It's not that it's tame, because, you know, I mean, there is explicit, you know, well, mostly implied, you know, there's not much that's like, I would say, on screen. Um, but I think it, it, it strikes a good balance where, yeah, the sexuality is, is a key component of the film, obviously, but it is mostly talked about. Uh, so it is mostly, you know, almost psychological or just in discussion Versus being like kind of in your face. Like I, I could see this very easily, especially now today being turned into a lot more graphic and a lot more explicit. Um, 
less of the talking, more of like the showing, especially with like the whole thing with the tapes not being sexual in nature, really. It's just talking about sex. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not, it didn't, it was not shocking in that. In the, and I'm assuming in, in the sense that you're asking the question. Yeah. The gender dynamics were very much the 80s, though. That came across mm-hmm. the like male, female kind of gender stereotypes that were very much broken by now. But that was something, I think there was a line where men are more physical and women more emotional. And that was like in the diner scene with Graham and the older sister, whose name I keep forgetting. Anne, right? Anne. Call her Annie, but I think it's just Anne. Yeah, I do remember that line being mentioned. Yeah, where it's the physical versus emotional thing. Yeah, but they ended up breaking it with uh, Graham and Anne's characters, uh, Graham and Cynthia's character, because this um, younger sister was more physical and Graham was more emotional by the Mm -hmm. end, which I thought was interesting as well. I picked up on that. Yeah, I mean, I know, I definitely think the gender stereotypes, we've somewhat moved on, but I also think that in this case, like that's the one part I think you could still work today because I think that goes, I mean, as much as Anne, great character, but she's clearly got some hangups too that she does need to work out. Right. Um, which I'm sure there's plenty of people that still have the same kind of thing and look, there's plenty of Peter Gallagher's out there at the same time. Um, and it it's interesting here and you talk about because there are a couple they may not get super graphic in the sense that clothes aren't being shed but there's a couple extensive i feel like pretty long scenes between peter gallagher and the younger sister yeah you know there's that, one in particular i'm thinking of that's right after she records the tape that's probably the most oh, like, yeah, yeah yeah so there's intense. a couple that are pretty intense scenes there but you're right i mean but and i think maybe that's what made it more because i felt my recollection of this again i was I don't know, 19 when this came out, but it was the conversation. Like, there definitely was something about it. Like, there was something, you hadn't seen a movie like this. And just talking so openly about it was not something, we certainly had sex in movies back then, but you didn't discuss it in these deep ways. And I remember the first time watching it, I remember it really threw me off when I, because I was in college when it came out. It definitely kind of threw me off the first time I saw it. That's why I was curious if that kind of holds up. Okay, there's a lot... There's a lot in here that we couldn't do today, I would think. Or maybe I'm wrong, but could you... Okay, let's start with the big question. Could you remake this movie today? Not should you, but could you? I think you could. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I don't... You know, I, I'm curious. Maybe I'll kind of enlighten on, on what you mean by the ones that maybe... The, some of the things that maybe wouldn't hold up where you couldn't get away with today. Because I think for the most part... You know, yeah, we, I might even take it back. Like I said, there are Peter Gallagher's out there. I yeah. Like, it's going back to what Ashley was just saying about it feels like a dated stereotype, but... They're still like that. There's still there's people, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe, you know, the part of like... I know, although this is, I'm sure, still very much a thing, but maybe the whole... I guess she's a stay-at-home wife, right? Like, there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, she has the housework. You have housework to do. It's like, mm, that's a little very traditional gender stereotype, gender tropes, right? Of like, she's staying at home and she's taking care of the housework. And that's why she's annoyed that he didn't ask about bringing the guests over because you know, it's her job is taking care of the house. And then he goes and makes the living. That's maybe a little traditional. Um, and I think she comments that he asked her to do that, right? He asked her to give up her career. I think there's a line in there. Somewhere. Yeah. The therapist says that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He asked her to quit her job, be a housewife. But by the end, she had a job. It was like very briefly mentioned that she was going to work when she gets with Graham. Yeah. So she, yeah, that did get thrown out there. Yeah, it was very, I caught it the second time I watched it. And she's like, I'm going to work. I'm like, oh, you have a job now that you're not dating um, Peter's character. And now that she's with Graham, 
just a totally different, like, more emotional relationship. And she can do her job. So it's like, I don't know. I think it would hold up. I'm trying to think. The thing is, like, I think it's because it's held up pretty well. Like, you you know, you, you could remake it and they would it would fly. Um, but a lot of times why I think maybe the remake, and maybe this dips a bit too much in the should territory, but... You know, you want to remake a film because you either want to expand on it or maybe update some of the things that don't quite hold up as well. But this, you know, this has stayed pretty, pretty good in terms of like relevance and and, and in terms of like how much it holds up. Right. Uh, maybe, the you know, maybe not the Graham not having a cell phone and leaving his door unlocked. But um, those are minor things, all things considered. Um, so I think you could remake it. I wouldn't. But that's kind of my answer for most of these. But <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I don't think you could either with today's technology. It was so isolated with phones and not having a phone on you with like Graham's character. I don't know if you could do it with cell phones and tracking and all that if you had to incorporate that. Yeah. It'd be a lot harder and it would be very different. You'd have to make technology more of a character in the film. And I just realized the title of the film, like no one's using using tape anymore. Yeah, Yeah. no one's using videotapes. (laughs) But even even more important, like not using it. Ashley, you just triggered this in my head. I'm thinking this through. You got to keep in mind in this in this era, most people hadn't been filmed. You know, maybe your parents mm. when you were a kid mm-hmm. put you on Super 8 camera, which is just you know, like you see in the movies, like on a real, like an actual film. Video, you know, that big video camera he's got was high tech at the time, probably the first generation of eight eight millimeter video. People didn't. Most people didn't own those yet. So you weren't on film. Though. No, I'm getting at today's world. Everybody here has already been on hours of film every single day, whether it's on TikTok or a friend taking your video or whatever. So the novelty of being put on film and vulnerable, I mean, that's part of what this felt. It's like you're on, he's putting these people on camera. They're vulnerable and they're opening to him. Like, you know what I'm getting at? Something yeah. you said made me think of it, but it's like, I don't know if there's any novelty to it. So you call it sex lies and iMovie or whatever. Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, anybody <laughs> would care. Yeah, sex lies and Snapchat. But would anybody care? You know, in, in a sense, because it's. I I actually did not think about that angle. You're totally right. Where for me, like, the, oh, we're going to go on camera. For me, it was less about the. Yeah, it wasn't about them being on camera. It was just them talking about what they're talking about. No, I um, think it's got. But I do. But, but I see it. Yeah. But no, it's different. Than I don't think the movie. I don't think you. Uh, yeah, I don't think any of these women would have done that just sitting in front of him. I think part of him being able to pull it out was not just his personality. It's like I've put you on camera. You are vulnerable. Go with it and see what happens. And that's what drew it out. Maybe I'm overthinking. No, but I think you might actually be totally right. I didn't even consider that. But that makes it more interesting. Um, That's just us, I think, our generation being, yeah, removed from it and being like, yeah, cameras. Yeah. Also, something else. It's very destigmatized to talk about sex now, especially from a girl. It's very different now. Like, there's like podcasts about girls talking about all the time. It's like, comes up in conversation naturally. It's not this like thing that women hide anymore that it was in the 80s so even then it's like oh okay I talked about this with my friends like yesterday so there's like that aspect to it too where it's not this private thing that you have to uphold this feminine kind of more religious aspect to yourself yeah that you did in the 80s do you lose if you did this today do you lose a bit of the, dyna- the dynamic where she's and is like shocked that Cynthia has done this like because you know she can't she has a hard time even talking about it to her therapist and then Cynthia has gone out and gone done this video and it's crazy so yeah if you bring it to today I, you know you'd have to set it it's i'm sure it's again very much a thing probably in more conservative communities but um and this what the movie takes place in louisiana baton rouge i think so mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's hard. It yeah, things have changed to the point where, like, you're totally right. It's less it's less stigmatized. It's um might be a bit. You wouldn't see these people quite as commonly as you would have back then. It's interesting. Cool. Last thoughts? My, uh, I don't know. I, now I've, <laughs> like, for the first time, I'm really thinking about these movies. It's not true. Uh, but was, this is, that's really interesting. No, now I, I want to go back and watch this with uh, with some of the stuff we just talked about in mind. And then with, like, you know, coming with the camera thing and, and even try to compare it to how that would look today. I mean, again, I, I actually, you know, flat out would recommend anyone to watch this because, um, yeah, like, we kind of to put a, a bow on it, right? It, it's, directorial debut and it's super interesting and it's it's great performances um and it's just really interesting to watch anything else yeah i think with any other cast i don't think this would have worked i think the cast dynamic is really what sold it because any change especially to graham's character could have changed the whole tone of the film and it could have come off completely different and then we would be having a completely different conversation Mm -hmm. yeah i just i think it was very well done and it Still holds up. Yeah, if today. Travis were more more were less freaked out by Graham, maybe he'd be saying different stuff. So. <laughs> we love Graham. <laughs> <laughs> but why do we love Graham? We shouldn't. It's very creepy. Yeah, like right. in a in a whole sense, it's very creepy. But something about it, I don't know. What does that say about us? <laughs> I know. <laughs> love it. Um, and I think I failed to mention this. This is another one that's in the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. I don't think I said it about this one. So very well received movie. Um, all right, Luca. What do we got next week? Next week, we're watching El Mariachi, another directorial debut. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's a yeah. slightly different movie than this one. You'll, you'll, I know you haven't seen it. You'll love it. Ashley, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Luke, I'll see you in a week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>